Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to urge in the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to urge in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Following On County Cricketer. I'm John Norman alongside George DeBell, Nick Friend from the Cricketer magazine and also uh, Steve Harmison. Uh, looking back at a round, a bonus round really, came out of nowhere. County Cricket, we're going to be talking about uh, the ECB statement that uh, uh, was released yesterday in regard to Yorkshire and also about a call up to another Overton, Jamie Overton, who uh, we've been mentioning quite a lot in this show in the last uh, couple of months. So uh, strap yourself in. We're also going to answer uh, a host of your questions as well. So stick around for that. And you are watching or listening via the podcast to following on County Cricketer. OK, top lines, guys. Um, well, let's start with the positive first. There was uh, quite a spicy game of cricket that took place at Taunton this week, uh, featuring two brothers going... Uh, going against each other, essentially. And uh, you'd have to say that Jamie Overton won. Although, is it winning when you essentially knock your brother out or concuss him and he has to... I'm not sure if he was carried from the field, but maybe walked gingerly from it, all in front of your adoring father, who's wincing at the same time as beaming with pride. George, I, I believe yeah, you've, of course spoken, it is. you've spoken to uh, the senior, no. Overton senior. Oh, well, I've just exchanged messages, yeah. I mean, just to say congratulations, really. I mean, it's an amazing achievement to have your two boys in the same England squad or two girls. Or, I mean, I suppose the, the Currens have done it, haven't they? Uh, and the Hollyoaks did it. But in England, it's pretty rare. It's pretty special. Um, I Look, I, I don't suppose they'll both play, in this game anyway, but it's, it's a really good achievement. And look, uh, it was box office. So, uh, obviously... I was at the uh, the test match, but I couldn't help but watch. I kept on tweeting things from it because that was... Uh, Jamie Overton is such an exciting cricketer, whereas Craig is sort of uh, quite pragmatic, quite line and length. Quite, you know what you're going to get with Craig, and that's not a bad thing. He's a, he's, a, he's a reliable cricketer. Jamie, I think, as I said before, he puts together the best highlights package in county cricket at the moment. It is sexy as hell because he bowls absolutely lovely deliveries. He's fast. I think he's the fastest bowler in England available right now. He's not as fast as Mark Wood. He's fast as Ollie Stone, I reckon. He swings it, and he's got the sharp-as-hell bouncer, which Craig would be able to tell you about, and Josh Davey. He made them both retire hurt in the same spell. At the same time, what you've got to realise with him is 
he bowls a bit of tosh. He does. I mean, he is an attacking cricketer. And he can also bat, by the way. He's definitely, I think, a test number eight quality batter, which I don't think England have right now. So that's something with him as well. As a bowler, not quite the same, but he does remind me of Harmy. I mean, that is the obvious person to compare him to. And actually, really good Harmy as well. I mean, 2004 Harmy, when you, when you were swinging the ball. Was it in the Caribbean that that happened in particular? Caribbean, yeah. We'd swung in the Caribbean. It swung, it swung every now and again. It was just, we weren't always an idea of which way it was swinging and how the velocity and degree was swinging to. But I agree. I like this boy. I think he's got, it's good the way you described the highlights. He is a highlights package. And I actually think England can fit him in. I actually think he, how? when you look at it, if Ben Stokes, because we were 10 days away, that knee of his might be a struggle. If Ben Stokes can't bowl, unfortunately, Jack Leach can't play. We have to play four seamers because you're going to kill the other three bowlers if Jack Leach doesn't get get it quite right. I actually think then Jamie might fit into that that bracket of, we've got bowlers that can bowl line and length. Let's just take the handbrake off and let's have a go. We're tuning a lot. Fits with what we're trying to do with Brendan and Ben. He's box office, and if it and the one thing the one thing I always felt about my game was mentally, I was quite strong mentally because I could bowl a ball which wouldn't hit another set of stumps on either side, or hit up or down. But I know for a fact that the next ball was the most important one, and come back and you know the next ball was the one that counted, and you could go, you could fire it, bang, you could put all the nonsense to one side because if you bowled a bad ball possibly embarrassing possibly could have been all over the shop you know for a fact hand breaks off you want to bowl fast that's your job as a as a your fast bowler and you come in and you bowl the next ball as fast as you possibly can jamie strikes me as somebody that does that and if we've got somebody like up, up our sleeve and he's a bit taller he could cause problems on these wickets which are a little bit flatter we've got bowlers can bowl on nine line and length what we haven't got is a mystery spinner or somebody that can just bowl a, a ball out of nowhere that can take a wicket. Jamie Overton looks as though he can bowl good balls on flat wickets, which would get good players out. So for me, he might have an outside chance at Henley. I, I completely agree. And he is he is the sort of he is the sort of player who I think they might want to play in, say, Karachi. He is the sort of player who would be useful on Australian wickets. Uh, I, I, I'd i love them to have a go at him. Uh, there are all sorts of caveats here. He had an awful 2021. No way around it. He didn't even start the, the season. If you look at the first game Surrey played this season, I, I did it, so I can't remember who was in the Surrey side. You know, he was behind people, which at that stage you're thinking, oh, it's a long way back into the team here, Jamie. But he's back, and by God. And he's not taking the new ball. He's coming on, you know, he's bowling with an older ball. There's a lot to like, you know. He's very, very useful. England have loads of people who want the new ball. He seems to be happy with an older ball. Yeah, but that suits England because you've got Broad and Anderson. Yeah. Just, just uh, t- sorry to hijack this a bit. Harmy, I keep seeing your name connected with being a selector. <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, a lot of that was down to I applied for the job about eight years ago when Paul Downton didn't realise that it was me. When my CV went in and my application went in with all the tours I'd been on and represented England so many times and felt as though I could do a good job because my country needs me at the minute, I got a generic email that Tom Noddy, third 11 coach, would have gotten exactly the same that if he had applied, which I thought was a little bit disrespectful. And then I told Michael Vaughan, who, as you know, went and told the world, 
and Paul Downton wrote me a nice handwritten letter, which I still got, uh, saying, look, of that, we, we probably didn't think it was it was you. And we're sorry that you got that email. Sorry you felt as though you're being disrespected. It wasn't personal. So that's fine. And the next time round, when I spoke to Strousey, didn't really, I didn't feel as though, I knew he had somebody lined up, so I didn't see the point of applying. This time, look, I love watching cricket. I love talking about the game. I love trying, I love, I love seeing the best in young players and seeing how they develop and seeing if they could play at the top level. And it's always intrigued me to give back and wanting to, to sort of be part of, and I would love to be part of this new new regime. So if it became possible, then I'd, I'd jump at the chance. But I've also got mindful, George, Nick, John, uh, one of my best friends, and my best friends who's done a lot, done a lot and gone through a lot with me mentally, you know, the mental health issue, and he's there all the time for me. I, I've, and people will say, good man, he's in a powerful position. He's there to make powerful decisions. This is a bit different from me and Keezy because of what he's seen and how we've, we've, we've sort of grown through our careers. And I really wouldn't want to put him in a position that if he's already got somebody in mind that he thought he could do a better job, that I would throw a spanner in the works. But all of a sudden, there's been articles about it. So, yes, I would be quite keen on having a conversation to see if that role would be something that would be good I could do to help the England cricket team. If not, I wouldn't any, lose any sleep over it. I love doing what I do. And I can hopefully shape it from afar. So there's your article, George. Um, <laughs> got what you came for, George. Come and get me. I'm on a laptop at the moment, come so I'm not much of a journalist. Homie, <laughs> we haven't heard from Nick. Nick, if it wasn't Jamie Overton called up, who do you think it could have been? Uh, George is saying he's the fastest bowler in the circuit. Bryden Cass? Um, uh, well, Bryden Cass in the Netherlands. Anybody else that you think? Cass in the Netherlands with the, with the one day squads. Um, no, but look, most of the quick guys are injured, aren't they? I mean, we've we've sort of been there on <laughs> on this topic. I mean, there are guys I've seen this season who I, these certainly aren't guys who I think are particularly close, but guys I've watched the season who I've been impressed with because they've looked a bit quicker. Ben Mike at Leicester, I think he's impressed people. He's got a bit of pace. Ajit Singh Dale at Gloucester. Yeah, once again, I say not you know certainly not guys who'd be in the in the reckoning at the moment, but two young blokes have been pretty impressive with the certainly with, with the pace of Bill Tom Helm. Started the season very well, suffered injury, didn't play at Derby this week, but has come back into, into Middlesex's blast side. I think if he was fit for any period of time, I think he'd quickly work his way into conversations because I think he's good. But over, but Jamie Robinson's always... He, he was first picked by England at 19 in an ODI squad. He, you know, it's always been coming to this point, and I quite like that he's sort of got in at 28, having, having sort of... You know, he may well get more injuries, but having done the injuries that were having... And also having done that whole period that a lot of... English fastballs go through where they do struggle to control it, and his, his I think his accuracy has certainly improved. Certainly improved this season on what's happened in the past, and I don't know. Maybe he's peaking. Maybe he's reaching that reached that level of maturity. Maybe Surrey using him quite intelligently, as, as you say, not giving the new ball, having guys that can do that job, and almost sort of letting him loose on pretty flat surfaces when they need to try and make a breakthrough. And also just watching him bat. I mean, you, you, John, you'll know better than better than us. I've watched probably more than, more of Surrey than we have this year, but I mean. You get a mate down. They're still. They've still got Jamie Overton, Gus Atkinson coming out to bat. Um, Jordan Clark, Cam Steele batting down the order. I mean, they they're just stacked full of batters. Aren't they? So when you and, and Jamie, when I watched Jamie bat against Northants, when he came into bat, when the game was very much alive. I mean, within an hour and a half, in, him and I think it was Gus Atkinson. Him and Gus, Gus Atkinson had killed the game. Really, I mean, they, he's a proper he's a proper batter for for someone batting at eight, nine, ten. Um, and I think the way I think his batting. 
has gone the other way of Craig's in the last few months or so. You'd have to say. I mean, Craig was certainly the one who was the bowler who could genuinely bat, more of a bowling around, or as Jay, so he was a bowling around, or as Jamie was a, a bowler who could hold a bat. Whereas I think in recent months, I think the numbers would back it up. But it's sort of been a bit of the opposite. But um, I'm pleased he's done it this way. As I say, as I say, cause it feels like it's been on the cards forever. I mean, he was in. Ironically, he was in that England. He was called up to England ODI squads in 2015 against New Zealand, the um, the, the Morgan McCullum series just after the World Cup debacle. Um, so there, I guess there is a nice sort of symmetry to him being called up one now for this almost identical series and sort of after, I guess, after rock bottom, as it were. And um, yeah, and as, as you guys have said already, I mean, it wouldn't be at all surprised if he played just because of the kind of cricketer he is matching up to the kind of cricketer that Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes clearly want. It's also how he's managed. When it comes to when it comes to leading, captain, and that maverick figure, if you can manage that right, and not having worrying about what potentially could go wrong, i.e., a good player gets in because these top players aren't they're not fear of Pierce. Top players, top six batsmen, not many players around the world are fear of Pierce. They see it as a, an opportunity to score. As long as he's managed right, that's fine. Yeah, you know, Michael Vaughan. He, people would say he, he was the best manager, man manager I've, I've ever known. You know, I've talked about being the best liar I've ever met because he could make me feel 10 foot tall when I'm bowling at eight and over. He could get me in a position to constantly let go of the ball as quickly as I possibly could and not be bothered about the repercussions of ball going all around the park. He'd just turn around and say, I'll give it to Fred, I'll give it to Jilo bowling over the wicket. Oggy will bowl a foot outside of Stump. I need you to take wickets, I need you to bowl fast. And I'm not bothered where it goes. If he's managed properly like that, which I think he will be, the way Ben and Brendan are, is sort of characters of who want to who want to move the game forward and move the game forward at pace. I actually think it might, as Nick says, coming in at 28 is a good time for him, but actually coming in at this environment would be a good time. 12 months ago, possibly would have been the worst time. It might just be a good fit for all round. Can we move the conversation on to something that's a little less uh, savoury? Uh, George, you've been at the front of this story for two years. Uh, the ECB have announced this week on Wednesday that uh, they believe there is a case to answer to seven individuals all connected to Yorkshire County Cricket Club in regard to the Azim Rafiq racism claims or story, or it's been proven to be true, actually, what Azim's been saying about the club. There was some, a question asked of me on talk about, you know, why is this going to be coming out in September, October? You know, would that be easier for the ECB? Is that unfair? You know, it has taken a long time to get to this to get to this position and understandably they've got to be seen to be doing things the right way. I believe every single individual case will take between seven days and 10 days to actually see through. So, you know, it's going to take a while, but a cynic would say, well, let's get that news after the season's over out there. If, uh, if it's negative, which, which you may want. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's, I don't, I don't think that's what's gone on here. I think, um, as I understand it as well, just, I might be wrong, but I, I think they're going to run all the cases concurrently. So I, I think it, they're looking at it taking 10 days, but for all of them, because they're not going to keep the witnesses there forever, are they? So anyway, that, that's how I understand it. Now, it's taken a very long time to get to this stage. It's, a, it's been a massive investigation. You know, the wheels of justice turn slowly, and, and that's probably right, because um, this is the defining moment in people's lives, both the accused and the witnesses. So I've got no issue. The important thing is that it, it's done right. It has felt a little bit as if the whole process has had to be dragged out of the club. I mean, 
it's almost five years since a deal and Azim first complained at Yorkshire. I think it was September 2017. So it's taken a long time to get to this point and we're not there yet. Personally, I think it'll drag on into 2023. But I understand up to a point why that is. You've got to get these things right and it's very, very difficult. Yeah, as I said, I think that uh, things to look out for, I think that Yorkshire are going to plead guilty largely. There might be some details that they disagree on, but, um, you know, largely the current management accept that there was a terrible problem at the club. The individuals, you know, who knows? And it might be, might well be that there are more than seven charged eventually. And there will be other charges to come, including against the Zim. Um, so it's a bit of a test case. It's ugly. It's not lovely. It's not a cause for celebration. But I do think it's a step on the road of progress. And if we're going to make the game more inclusive we've got to go through this we've got to go through it well said okay we will cover that uh, in due course as and when uh, further revelations or stories come from it but uh, for now it's time to look at some of the top lines from the uh, recent week of county championship action the top line nick um look if hampshire go on to do as you predicted they would do and win the county championship it's games like the one against Yorkshire and wins in games like the one against Yorkshire that they will look back on and say that was a that was a massive result and you know they came they came from behind they were four down chasing four up four hundred and fifty well they had a four hundred fifty deficit around that and then there was a battle on the last day as well so you know they had to continue fight and they were up against it from the start and to see that one through against essentially a rival for the championship. I know Yorkshire haven't won a lot of games, but the points table will, will tell you that they were neck and neck going into that match. That was a massive, massive win for uh, for Hampshire. Yeah, and curiously, one of several teams actually who won uh, facing first, not facing first team deficits, but facing sides who'd put runs on the board early. So I think Gloss got 440 odds, Leicester got 440 odd, and both lost comfortably to Knotts and Kent, I think it was. Um, yeah, and I guess they're the games. I, as you say, they're, they're, they are the wins that I dare say when they look back at the end of the season, wherever they finish, are the ones that you almost take most pride in. I mean, because that that game, you almost have, almost have to be perfect by, you know, you lose the toss, you ought to get four thirty, and at that point, the win probably feels a very long way away. And then to not bat, and then likewise to not bat past Yorkshire to be twenty odd runs behind on first innings. But what Hampshire will have all season, even without Mabit Abbas in this game, is is a very very good set of teams. And Brad Wheel came in, affected the job that. The Bass have been doing took seven wickets in the match, clean up the tail in the first innings, and two a couple of crucial ones in the second innings. But Keith Bark has been brilliant all year. Kyle Abbott's been brilliant all year, and actually sort of quite understated I think in, in the game um, where I think there was only one hundred, but a lot of runs. I think Liam Dawson in both innings was was key, wasn't it? Sort of sixty on the first innings at a time when they were hundred off four, and I guess sort of dragged them back into contention and back towards that four hundred, and then and then another sixty on the second innings when you're chasing. 200 on the last day and wickets falling around you and I think it's, there are a couple of slightly dodgy LB a couple of slightly dodgy calls there. I know James Vince wasn't happy with his and I think it was Nick Gubbins I thought he was a bit unfortunate as well um, so yeah to be I mean to be 100 off for 6 chasing 200 final day of the season against a good team as you say I mean that is a it's a proper result isn't it and a couple of losing Dawson towards the end with 10 needed obviously made it even even nervier, but there's a lovely shot to win it actually. I think James Fuller sort of uppercutting over third man to a ball that was sort of didn't look like it was there to play that shot to, but he no um, really good win. And as you say, I mean, I, I tipped them at the start of the season. I'm going to stick with them 
because they've got all bases covered in those games. You know, if you can win those ones, we're probably not quite at your best, but you sort of match up to another very good team. Then, yeah, you can't do much more than that. But equally, Surrey did win a similar game, didn't they? Chasing a sort of nasty target on the last day. Yeah, Lewis Gregory really made it a bit nervy for Surrey, didn't they? Who were, you know, they reduced Somerset early. Somerset looked like they were going to be bowled out for about 120, and then. Overton and Duffy, was it, um, were knocked out and knocked from the field. Then they came back. Peter Siddle. I mean, he's, it's always Peter Siddle as well. Second in, he comes in, just doesn't get out. And suddenly, instead of a target of about 80, you're looking at 210 or something. And, uh, you know, sorry, we've lost a few players. But despite uh, a little wobble, they got there. But there was another big win, and that was Lancashire. I'd, I'd written them off, George, to be honest. I was looking at the scorecards throughout the day. I was obviously hoping Hampshire weren't going to win. Um, I kind of was hoping that would be a draw. And I, I'd written off Warwickshire's chances. I mean, Lancashire's chances of chasing that down. But they they did it perfectly, really. What, chasing 329, a day and four overs to get them in, and they did it with four overs to spare. Absolutely fantastic run, Chase. I was wondering what people in Sussex were thinking about that because obviously it was led by Luke Wells. I mean, what did he get? 175 or something. And against a pretty good attack as well. You know, Liam Norwell, I think, took a five for the first innings. He's, he's a good bowler. Danny Briggs, another man of another man from Sussex as well. And that bowled 30 odd overs for Warwickshire. A lot of a lot of Sussex influence in a top-of-the-table clash in Div 1, as you say. Do you wonder what they must be thinking? <laughs> well, on the quiet, I, I watched a fair bit of yesterday. If I'm honest, Briggs had a bit of a shocker. Yeah, well, is, I don't think he's at his best this season, to be fair. He obviously had a fantastic year last year. But um, he, he did bowl a lot of full tosses. Anyway, ne- neither here nor there. I don't want to take anything away. A fantastically paced innings from Luke Wells. Because they were under pressure for a while. I mean, I think they lost too early. Anyway, brilliant innings from Luke Wells. And it did make me think, what are they thinking at, um, at Sussex as they go through? this interminable rebuilding process which seems to be going on since the dawn of time. They have lost a beauty of Luke Wells. He is absolutely the perfect county player. He is, uh, if the stars align slightly differently, he could be opening the batting for England now. He is probably as, might be a better player than Lees. I mean, Lees gets better every time I look at him, doesn't he? But he, he is, he's a good player. He's, he's similar to that in many ways. And so they've got themselves a top order player who doesn't seem to be used in any T20 leagues, doesn't seem to be used by England. He's just available, can bowl leggies too. Fantastic player. I tell you what, um, Harmy, there's another top-order player who doesn't play a lot of T20, doesn't bowl leggies, bowls off-spin. A guy that we saw on TalkSport duty, didn't we, in November, December, um, India against New Zealand. And we were surprised that Rashan Ravindra wasn't part of their squad I know he came over with the initial team, but then he was kind of released, the initial squad. I told Goffey to sign him. You told Durham to sign him. Durham did sign him, and he he knocked off 200 on debut. Yeah, I thought he was a fine player in in that India-New Zealand series. He's number seven, though, in that that series. He's playing as a sort of second spinner, come all-rounder. But I thought he's electric in the field. This kid's a good player. And I remember being at Yorkshire with Goffey and saying, what about this kid? And he said, well, we've, we've got Don Best. And Don Best was you know, something something similar. Because I don't think Goffey realised he was a, a fully-fledged opening batsman. Um, and I remember one of my best mates, somebody I played junior cricket with, he's a marketing man at, at Durham. And they were saying, they were talking about overseas players. And I says, go and get this kid. He'll not cost you a great deal of money. New Zealand are over. It suits everybody. 
he'll be wanting to prove his point. But Durham signed, I think they already signed Keegan Peterson, uh, Keegan Peterson at the time. Rachel Ravinder's come in and he's got 260, in it, 260 out once in the game. Yes, it might have been a flat wicket, but... Might have been a flat wicket. <laughs> watch some of his shots with Scott. Yeah, it was a flat wicket. It was a, a proper flat wicket. But him and Volkswagen, their partnership, 200-odd run partnership, it was a thing of beauty. And he's stylish as well. And I, and I couldn't believe that he didn't bat number seven in the test match when get the nod over Bracewell. But even more so now with all the COVID cases, he's not he's not being sort of shipped in. And he might he might end up getting a game at um, at Headingley. You come that one thing I will say about this round of county championship is that I think you can see we've just come off the back of T20 because there's some big scores knocking around, but there's a lot of 40s, 50s, and 60s. There's not many. Look at the, look at the teams that have got 450 and 500. There's only one Centurion. There's a lot of a lot of starts. I think there was was it was a it was actually the Hampshire game. Hampshire game had eight players get 30 or 30 or more. And nobody got 100 out of 410. So just shows you the transition from 2020, not concentration, longer format, everything that goes with it. I think we've seen in this round of championship games that the transformation between the two two skill sets of right, white ball and red ball, there is a little bit in that. So for future reference, I think um, when we are trying to restructure the game of cricket, I like playing one block, then another block, then another block, because I think the players and it suits the players. Um, but some big scores this week. Um, and for me, the game of the week was that run chase at, Old, at, at uh, Edgebaston. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a huge win for Lancashire. And it keeps them in, it keeps them in touch and distance. There was um, a bottom of the table scrap, which may end up being decisive. Kent beating Gloucestershire. Uh, and at the top of Division 2, Nick, big win for Derbyshire. A lot of people moaning. A lot of Middlesex... Uh, uh, supporters moaning on my timeline anyway. But that's uh, that's another statement, eh? The Mickey Arthur uh, regime is uh, is well and truly on. Did you see that? Did you see that? Is it Umar Akmal? Mickey Arthur. That was brilliant by Mickey. Uh, Umar Akmal whinged, moaned, gone, even gone to the Prime Minister Imran Khan about why he's not playing. Mickey Arthur tweeted, just look in the mirror, son. It's the best <laughs> thing to anybody in life. The best thing to anybody in life. You know, when you start whinging and moaning, just look in the mirror because the majority of the time, son, it's your fault. It's your fault. <laughs> yeah, Derbyshire. Derbyshire, that's a, that's a big win for them over Middlesex, Nick. Yeah, because they've... Derbyshire, I think Mickey said this actually pretty openly at the time, was that they, they were competitive in a lot of games in that first set of matches without probably winning as many as they... As they, I mean, they drew four. They drew four and they'd only won one of that first set and that was in the second win of the season against Middlesex and... They, they scored a lot of runs. Well, Sean Masood scored a lot of runs. Brooke Guest scored a lot of runs. Wayne Madsen was in the runs. But they weren't bowling teams out. Uh, and they've only lost once this season. So, they were in, I think it was probably a similar place to where Durham probably felt like they'd been. You're just drawing too many games, being competitive without forcing themselves over the line, which actually is what Middlesex had done very well until, until that game at Chesterfield. It, it was probably a game that rested on Sean Masood in the end. Night, he was 98 not out at the end, chasing 200-odd and... On a pitch where, I mean, just looking at the scores, I mean, spoken to a few people who were who were there in in one capacity or another. I mean, it was, I think, a pretty decent club pitch, but um, but a, but a game where it was sort of it was really the um, it was the outlier, wasn't it, from the round of games because there was no there was no score above two fifty, I think, in the game, and Middlesex really lost it in that third innings where they were going on pretty nicely. Mark Stone was seventy odd not out, and then 
they basically collapsed in a heap and they were 120 off a of three then 196 all out and probably left themselves a bit too much to do but um but no big like big win big win for Derby because Middlesex have got knots on June 26th I think and that would have been if Middlesex could have won that so if Middlesex beat Derby then then could have gone to the knots game unbeaten with five wins out of seven then you'd almost say if they can come through that test they'd almost they'd be they'd be in a pretty good spot for for the remaining for, I guess for the second half of the season as it were so it really drags Derby Derby back into it. It probably drags Worcester back into it as well. The fact that Middlesex have the fact that Middlesex don't take those winning, those winning points out of it. So it's it's as congested as I think we thought it was going to be, isn't it? At the top of that Div Two table, We're probably going down to the to Durham in sixth. Really, you'd only say that Sussex and Leicester are sort of both well, both without a win and probably both too far back. But but yeah, everyone, I mean, who knows what they're playing for yet? But but there are six teams who will feel like they're right in it. Yeah, well, I was just going to say it might be worth looking at um, if Paul Edwards the journalist, was writing, I think, for Crick Info, and it might be worth reading his reports from Chesterfield because he was inspired. And if you like Paul Edwards, that, that his his work on that game was uh, terrific. It's a lot about trees, if you like trees as much as cricket. But it, it, it was classic he's written, Paul Edwards. He's written a piece of the cricketer today in which he writes about the electric kettle in his Chesterfield hotel room. So he really did, <laughs> he really did have a week out. <laughs> he, he, do you know, I've recently had to, I think it's okay to say this, I recently had to write the foreword of his book and it's probably the most intimidating thing I've had to do in my career because I knew it was going to be the worst written page in the book. <laughs> There's just no way around it. I think I started by saying it's like being asked, to, like a painter going asked to paint Van Gogh's Lou. It was just horrendous. I just felt completely unworthy. Anyway, it's, it's a very good writer at his very best, clearly inspired by the Crooked Spire and all that. Brilliant stuff. Okay, let's get on with the questions. We've had plenty of questions in here, so let's get to the mailbag. Hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz and the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz and the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Mailbag. Okay, so it's the section of the show where we answer your questions. And Dave Studland has uh, been in contact. He says, I know we want flatter wickets, but should the pitch at Durham 
versus versus should be rated poor. 1,294 runs for 17 wickets in four days is not really helping anything. Is that just a little bit of a collateral damage, George, do you think? You know, you've got to, you've got to do these things and sometimes you'd rather go that way than the other. It's, it's a very long-winded oh, no. way of me asking a no, question, No, 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 I'd much rather go the other way. Look, I wasn't there and I, 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 I don't want to cop out. I really don't want to, um, but I wasn't there, so I can't really comment. You know, people were complaining about the pitch at Tread Bridge wrongly two days in and it wasn't fair either so I wasn't there the balls aren't very good they're really not every bowler you bump into will tell you that this season but the general point he makes is probably right there's nothing worse there's nothing more dangerous to cricket I genuinely believe than a feather bed awful they don't offer anything to batters they don't offer anything to bowlers so you you accept that it's not a absolute precise art and that sometimes Ground staffs are going to get it wrong. You accept that they've, they've got a lot of pressures on them. Uh, it may have been an absolute dog of a pitch. Yeah, it really might have been. I, I hope that they look at playing on hybrid surfaces. I hope they look at playing first-class cricket on hybrid surfaces. They must. We do it already in uh, white ball cricket. I actually think it will make the gap between test, and, well, sorry, international and first-class smaller. I hope that they look at that. And, in, and there are days, and this may be one of those games where that would be very beneficial, but I wasn't there, so I can't be any more critical. Or Chuck, Chuck, in a slight yeah. caveat, the two things, obviously the relaying of the square, Harmy on the bet, was that 18 months ago? I think, I mean, obviously in the, in the past, it was the, in the past, it was the opposite of Chester Street, wasn't it? Where, where if you came to Durham and yeah. got, you could got just have landed at Chester Street and got a wicket. Yeah. I think, yeah, but the other thing I would say, so I think there is, there is probably a bit of teething going on because obviously a lot, a lot, I mean, that has changed that has gone from one extreme to the other, hasn't it? And the other thing I say is that actually, if you look at the pattern of that game, Durham batted as big as they could because they knew they don't, they don't, they knew they could only win that game by batting once, and they were very close to they had Worcester nine down within the follow-on. And actually, if you bowl a team out, if actually if they if they take the final wicket and force the follow-on, it's still pushing it, and it does make the pitch any less flat. But that doesn't. But but then there is a game there, so. It's a slight nuance. To it. I, I'm not disagreeing with the question particularly, but I, I do think that's worth saying that actually, if that tenth wicket falls and they've probably got 160 odd run lead and forced the follow on, and strange things have happened. You know, Worcester, I think had a debutant opener who was on a pair going to that second innings to be batted. Durham know they can just throw everything at the game, um, and anything could happen. But, but no, I don't disagree with the premise. They're two what 1300 runs for 17. Okay, next question from uh, Jim Amos or Jamis. Uh, how on earth, this is for you, George, maybe. How on earth can Sussex continue to justify their ticket prices for the championship when they're essentially an under-18 team with a few second-team standard players? Can you help me understand the vision of the club? They pleaded poverty, but then spent big on overseas. Is that fair? It's not going very well, is it? Um, <laughs> uh, yes, it probably is fair. To be uh, it's fair to the club as well. I mean, they've literally just appointed a new chair, uh, John Philby. I, I know John Philby a little bit. I really believe in John Philby. Uh, so, I, I mean, how long has he been in position? A month? Give him some time. But, I mean, the problem for supporters is they've been told for ages, give it some time, give it some time. And there's been a succession of quite poor decisions made, it seems to me. They've lost good players. The, the recruitment, I mean, yeah, they... they <laughs> You would hope that you know there might be some white ball joy among the among the red ball misery, but even that isn't going quite as as well as you might have hoped. 
yeah, they're worrying times. That, this is the problem with long-term plans. If everyone, sorry, if a coach ever says there's a five-year plan, warning bells ring in my ears. That to me is is saying, you know, oh, just give me a long time to keep in a job. I, it's fair enough to be impatient at this stage. They have got good young players, but you know, will they improve in that environment? That's the worry. I, I hope that they don't go the route of, you know, bringing in sort of role model pros, the, the sort of Colpac equivalent of what we have now. I know that there's a time and place for that. And then, you know, there might be the right person out there, but some of these decisions become very short term. I don't actually know enough about what's going on at the club to tell you what the solutions are, but um, what a mess. And the Luke Wells thing must really sting. I think the risk with picking a load of talented youngsters together is that if you keep on losing games, which is what they have done for the last two or three years, you're sort of breeding a crop of losers, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like as much as we do yeah. Tom, Tom Clark. We do is, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and Tom, we do it it's weird because like individually they are they are talented. Tom Clark is talented, got a couple of hundreds. Ollie, Clark, Ollie Carter got 250 runs in the match. Henry Crocombe has got something about him. Zaseem Archie Lenham started the started his blast career very well and I think looked all right. And, and to be fair, looks like he can bat as much as anything. And Dan Ibrahim got 50 at 16 against Yorkshire last year like there, there is there is individual talent there but if you are I mean Tom Haynes is a 22 23 year old captain who's who's looking around and not really seeing many senior guys you know Jack Brooks is in alone for a month or two um that there's not a huge amount there for Tom Haynes to lean on so so if you if you're losing games and you're a bunch of youngsters and you're trying to work out how to win games I don't quite know how you how you like how you learn how to do that if you if they could not. look at the template of what they did before. I don't know when Chris Adams went there. Was it 99, 2000, something like that? I don't know when Mushtat went there, but they Nine, were... 2000. 2000. Yeah, so they, they were very... Before the, that, the against Grizzly in 99 down at Eastbourne. I remember that game. Grizz was at... I think Grizz would have came back 98, 97, 98. Mushy was... Michael Bevan was in 99, because I played against Michael Bevan, I remember, at Eastbourne. I think it was Dickie Bird's last first-class match. But I think Mushy came the year after, 2000-ish. So Mushy was one of the great signings in county cricket because actually he, had, he was in decline as a player. Um, he had been at Somerset. He went to Surrey. He looked awful, to be honest. He was playing club uh, cricket, and, wasn't and he? Peter Moores did what Peter Moores does. You know, he inspired him. He had to put his arm around him and he made him into Mushy, the great bowler who won them the championship. Adams wasn't much of a risk at all. He was just a good player who was unhappy at Derby. But th- there is the possibility of doing something like that. All I would say is, though, that they put them into a team that was already quite good. There were some really good players there, weren't there? Lurie and Kirtley. And... So there are all these, uh, there are things they can do, but they're going to have to be really careful in the, these next few weeks when players are available. You know, we, we, we know quite a lot of the players who are now available, some quite interesting names out there. They, they have to choose very wisely. Yeah, we did that. We, did Durham. We, had the, we had the same thing at Durham. 99, Booney left. And then all of a sudden, you know, you felt so sorry for John Lewis because John Lewis was basically given a bunch of kids and then off you go. We had two or three years of it and we were we were just swimming around in a circle. And then there was a sort of an action plan. Jeff Cook came in and with an action plan and we brought in we brought in an overseas player in in, in Mike Hussey. We brought in Dale Benkenstein, who was a cold pack player, great captain from from Metal. We brought in Otis Gibson eventually from from Leicester, and we had Michael Di Benito. And when, you, when the Copac system gets called, 
I always say, you be careful because there was one or two good examples. Yeah, I tell you what, Murray Goodwin, Murray Goodwin at Sussex, yeah, Murray Goodwin, Murray Goodwin incredible player. But I look at us and I was like, well, me and Paul were going, me and Paul were in the team, Durham, in the England team. We were we were destined to play for England through that passage of time. But having the likes of you know the names I've just mentioned, the adding, yeah, Hussey comes out, Chander Paul comes in, um, and then all of a sudden the likes of Plunkett, Stoneman. We yeah, are Borthwick, onions, mustard. Yeah, there's there's about half a dozen more that were close to playing for England. They came in because they were playing with good, experienced players who were there for the right reasons. Yes, financially they were getting paid good money, but they were performing. And I think you've got a fine balance between it working and it not working. And you know, Durham never looked back from from that moment, but they had a clear plan of where it was going. Sometimes you have to sometimes you have to take a punt. Because, like you said, Nick, playing with just a bunch of young kids, you just end up swimming in a circle. Obviously, they tried it with, they brought in Pujara and Rizwan, didn't they? So they've, they, they tried, it's almost like they, but Pujara scored, what, 700 runs in that first bit of the season? They, didn't, they hadn't won a game in the first. It's not all about they, winning, though. It's not all about but, winning, but, it's improving. But, it, but it's about, but it's, it's about not losing as well, isn't it? You don't want to, because I yeah. guess that's the thing, isn't it? If you're, if you're just breeding guys who are just getting used to losing. And ultimately, if... If someone is losing every week and is, but is improving individually, then they may well end up being poached by another county anyway. And then you are literally going around. There, there are some people out there who might be useful. I'm just trying. You guys might know, but I think Deploy is available. He, he might be the sort of. I think more Sibley is available. Um, you know, there are lots of attractive reasons still to play at that club. Um, obviously, a lovely place to live and all the rest of it. Uh, and it has generally been a very nice club. It's a, a club that generally has treated its players well. So. It, it, you know, there are lots of nice things about it. I, I think, yeah, I do think they're going to have to be very careful with with who they sign in this next. The few question, weeks. the question was asked, George, about ticket prices. How can they? How can this club charge ticket prices for the, the championship matches? My, I've had an opinion for the last year or so and a bit more. I don't think we should be charged. I don't think you, you should be charged to go and watch county championship. We've just seen the, the problem is that you then you know, lose your membership income. That's the problem if you, you can, don't charge. But you can still have your membership. You can still have your membership in in other in other ways in other yeah you, know, you, you play fifty over competition you play twenty twenty competition you are still a member of the cricket club but for me championship cricket a bit like that last test match we've just had seventeen and a half thousand people be royally entertained because you know for the love of the game now four day cricket goes to ten games in a season I, I personally try and, you know, the ECB give the, the county's money to help sustain and build that red ball game. And that would be to just let people in to, to, to watch the game. I might be I'll be wrong, but... No, I think it's a, it's, a, it, it's a completely legitimate view. I'm just saying, look, the, the questioner's point is very, very valid. I, I actually don't know what that, uh, the ticket prices are there right now, but they're clearly not entering, offering, sorry, great value for money. And actually, they might just want the support. Okay, uh, so that brings us to the end of the show. It's back to T20. Then it'll be the county championship. Then more. Ca- now, then more T20. I can't even remember what happens next. Then it'll be the hundred. Then it'll be more county championship. Either way, the show's continuing through the summer. Oh, and there's some test stuff as well, which might get mentioned. Fifty over. Hobby. Oh, the other fifty over cop as well. That's why we. That's why there should be a dedicated county cricket show. Oh yeah, this is it. Uh, thanks for listening and watching well that's it for another edition of following on thanks uh, for listening and if you ever have any ideas for guests or have questions for uh, the likes of Steve Harmison or Neil Manthorpe feel free to tweet me at Fulham John or via at Cricket 
underscore TS. And uh, either I or one of the team will make sure that your questions are read out uh, on the show at the earliest convenience. Also, please take the time to leave a review. And if you're already a subscriber, then tell your mates to do the same. And if you want more content from the likes of Steve Harmson, then head over to his YouTube channel and tell him I sent you. Thanks for listening to Following On. Hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to Ertz in the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to Ertz in the Channelized Bimbingus at the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. At TalkSport, we absolutely love it when our fans get stuck in. That's why we want you to join us in The Dugout, a brilliant new TalkSport listener community. It's a place where you can tell us what sports you're into and who your favourite teams are. And tell us what you think we could do better, like big guests and new sports and that. You could win an Amazon voucher for taking part. What are you waiting for? Visit TalkSport.com dugout and get stuck in. 18 plus terms and conditions apply.